I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was a kid in the early 90s, there was a popular t-shirt brand called No Fear. Maybe you remember seeing their logos back then. The brand touted the virtues of extreme sports, skateboarding, snowboarding, surfing. And I owned a few of those shirts and I thought I was pretty cool. Looking back now, I realize how silly these shirts must have seemed because I was a kid and of course I had fears. One of my biggest fears when I was little was riding roller coasters. And I have a friend who gave me grief for years because I wore a no fear shirt to a theme park with him, but I was too scared to go and ride the roller coasters. Fear plays a big role in today's gospel. We hear this morning Matthew's account of the story of Jesus walking on water. We hear how Jesus sends the disciples in a boat out on the Sea of Galilee, and their boat gets pushed further and further away from land. They're being battered by waves, and in the early morning hours, they see this figure walking towards them on water. And they think it's a ghost. We are given even more insight into the disciples' fear when we understand what water symbolized in Jewish thought during the time of Jesus. It represented chaos. If you think of the depths of the sea, sea storms and crashing waves, raging rivers, floods, hurricanes that can destroy homes and displace people, water can pose a serious threat to human life. As the theologian Karl Barth explains, water in the first biblical creation story was representative of all the powers which oppress and resist the salvation intended for the people of Israel. Water symbolized danger and chaos. It was the stuff that opposed God's creation. And yet, Throughout the Old Testament, there are numerous stories of how God is at work even in water. Think of God creating the world out of a formless, watery chaos in Genesis, or the covenant made with Noah after the flood, or a God parting the Red Sea for the Israelites to escape Pharaoh's army. Or we even hear in the book of Job how God tramples on the waves. Throughout the Old Testament, not only is water depicted as something that is dangerous and opposes God's creation, but we also hear how God works with water to bring about God's intended purposes. So, when Jesus comes striding across the water to his disciples as they are being battered by the waves in their boat, they're probably freaking out a bit. Who is capable of demonstrating such freedom over the dangerous water? Only God. Jesus is steadily striding over the deep, over the wind and the waves and the chaos that can overwhelm human life. 
The disciples are seeing Jesus do something that only God can do. And it's awesome, but pretty terrifying. So in one sense, this story reinforces Jesus' divinity. He does things only God can do. There's another aspect of this story that I think gets to the very heart of Matthew's gospel. Something that is unique to Matthew's account of this story is Jesus' interaction with Peter and his invitation for Peter to join him out in the open water. In response to Jesus' invitation, Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking towards Jesus. And he actually walks on water for a while. But when he notices the strong wind around him, he gets frightened and he starts to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. Peter flounders, not because he takes his eyes off Jesus, but because he becomes afraid. And understandably so. He's walking on water and it's not calm water. Peter has good reason to be scared. It's important to notice in this story that it's Jesus who calls Peter to come and join him out in the open water. Come, he says to Peter. Jesus has confidence in him, but it's Peter's fear that prevents him from fully participating in Jesus' call. Fear is a natural human response. It's instinctual. We are wired with a fight or flight response for a reason. It helps us respond quickly when we are in real danger. Under our current circumstances, we might fear a whole host of things. Illness, loneliness, losing a loved one, financial instability, the direction our country is going, there might be more subtle fears underneath the surface, how fast society is changing, how the world we once knew no longer looks the same. Fear can be crippling. It can hold us captive, making it difficult to move forward. Fear is one of the things that can prevent us from living into the abundant life that God intends for us. But we are reminded this morning that Jesus has confidence in us, calls us towards him, and is always with us, working even to catch us when we sink. Jesus never gives up on us. Even when fear takes hold and we begin to sink, God does not let go. This can transcend fear. It may not totally take it away, but it transcends how we respond. It allows us to live with courage, knowing that even in the storms of the world and of our lives, God is calling us to something more, that there is more to us than we are even aware, that our faults and failings do not disqualify us from love and acceptance.
calling us to something much larger than ourselves, calling us to peace and reconciliation. Rowan Williams, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, has said that this and this alone is God's agenda. The world he has made is designed to become a reconciled world, a world in which diverse human communities come to share a life together because they share the conviction that God has acted to set them free from fear and guilt. What would it take for us to be set free from fear and guilt so that we might be reconciled? So that diverse human communities come to share a life together in praise and celebration of God's goodness. I recently heard a podcast with Brian Stevenson, the author of Just Mercy. Perhaps you have seen the recent film adaptation of Just Mercy. In the podcast, Stevenson talked about the importance of learning the truth of our history. He explained how our liberation is tied to taking an honest look at our lives, our communities, our country, recognizing those places where we have gone wrong or made others feel afraid, so that moving forward, we might more fully live into God's agenda. In a way, it's almost like confession we do every week in our liturgy. It's not based in punishment or guilt, but rather we confess those things that hold us back from living into the life God intends for us so that we might be liberated, so we can live free of fear and guilt. So maybe it would be more appropriate if those no fear shirts I, wore, I used to wear when I was a kid read something along the lines of, Jesus transcends our fear kind of a mouthful, and I don't think it would sell very well, but it's definitely more accurate and helps to capture Jesus's call to a life of faith and courage, a life where we participate in Jesus's call to reconciliation and peace. Amen.